Hello and welcome to the Silver King's War. I'm Michael Sievers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we begin the transition for the Silver King. His life as a soldier is about to end, and his conversion to civilian life begins. It's October 1945, and you know as faithful followers of the king that he has just completed his separation process from the United States Army and the Air Corps at Fort McPherson, Georgia. The separation ends the king's active duty in the army, but it doesn't preclude his conversion to an Air Force Reserve officer, as the war in Asia has just concluded, and there's obvious concern around the world that soldiers who have come home from war may be asked to begin their work again. It seems appropriate to begin the Silver King's conversion to civilian life with a thoughtful and brief review of his life as a warrior. Stanley's commitment to the war began in 1942. He enlisted as a member of the Air Force Enlisted Reserve Corps on June 18, 1942, in Birmingham, Alabama. On December 1st of that year, Stanley and the entire Silverfield family attended an army show at Birmingham's City Auditorium. This show was the start of Stanley's goodbye to his family as 1942 ended and 1943 began. Stanley rode a troop train to the United States Army Air Force's classification headquarters on January 10, 1943. And three weeks after that, he was shipped to Maxwell Field in Montgomery, Alabama, for pre-flight school. Stanley washed out of pilot school at the Ludwig School of Aeronautics in Lakeland, Florida, on April 28, 1943. After that heartbreak, the king returned to Nashville for reclassification and was listed as a bombardier applicant, and sent by train to Santa Ana Army Air Base in June. He saw Joe DiMaggio there, spent time at the Biltmore Hotel, and moved on to gunnery school in Las Vegas. He loved gambling on the Strip. Stanley began bomber school at Carlsbad Army Air Base in New Mexico in September of 1943. He finished the year wearing a brand new Good Conduct Medal. Stanley graduated from bomber school as a second lieutenant on January 15, 1944, from the Carlsbad Army Air Base. After graduation, Stanley and his buddies J.J. Sherry and Herb Stempler drove from the Carlsbad Army Air Base across the nation to Columbia, South Carolina, 
in the Army Air Base there to begin advanced training in February of 1944. The Silver King spent almost four months at Columbia Army Air Base training on the B-25. And just before he was to receive his overseas shipment orders through New York Harbor as a port of embarkation in June, he was ordered to travel to Barksdale Army Air Base in Shreveport, Louisiana, for advanced training on the B-26. Stanley met his B-26 crew and trained hard throughout that humid summer as he prepared for his war, which was about to begin in September of 1944 with a ride on the Queen Mary from New York Harbor to England. Stanley arrived at his posting, which was A-72 north of Paris, by mid-October of 1944 and flew his first mission over Germany on November 5th of that year. The Silver King, now a proud member of the Army's 9th Air Force, flew strong air support for his soldiers on the ground in December of 1944 during the Battle of the Bulge. As 1945 began, Stanley received word that he was about to be promoted. And on February 15th of that year, it was official, he was now a first lieutenant in the Army of the United States, able to wear his silver bars. And on that day, unbeknownst to him at the moment, his guys, known as Festi's boys, would go down and be listed as MIA after they didn't come back from a mission. As Stanley's war continued and his work increased when he was moved up to be a lead bombardier of various groups, included some significant R&R time on the French Riviera at Cannes in March of 1945. And two months later in May, The war in the European theater of operations ended on the 7th, and the official German surrender was May 8th of 1945. As his war ended, Stanley had 77 points and was awaiting his future over unfortunately long summer months in France. He was finally able to ship home on the Queen Mary from Antwerp in late September of 1945. He reached New York Harbor around October 1st and got on a train from New York City en route to Georgia, where he would go through his separation process in mid-October of 1945. Stanley's official service separation date was 19 November of 1945, But he left for home from Fort McPherson, Georgia, on October 14th, almost 33 months to the day from when he got on the train from Birmingham to Nashville. Now, just as the king had taken a ride to begin his war, he was on a train from Georgia to Birmingham, Alabama, to return as a civilian, to see his family 
and have some of Ida's homemade biscuits. The Silver King spent joyous reunion days with family and friends in Birmingham throughout the fall months, including Thanksgiving and a long holiday weekend to celebrate and talk reflectively about the fact that they had spent Thanksgiving of 1942 together as Stanley was preparing to get on the train to Nashville in January of 1943. But now the Silver King was packing for Chicago. His parents, of course, wanted him to remain in Birmingham and work in the family business, a very successful business of collecting and processing scrap steel throughout the southeast part of the United States. But Stanley had his eye on Chicago. He was anxious to get to the big city and begin his real post-war life, and he knew that he had a job. He was going to work for the Acme Paper Box Manufacturing Company in Chicago, a company that was owned by his brother-in-law's family, the Bernsteins. Stanley's older sister, Leona, had met and married Lee Bernstein when they were students at Northwestern University in Evanston. And now Leona and Lee had two children, Richie and Margie, and that made the king an excited uncle as he prepared for a train ride and a stay with the family in Chicago before beginning his new job and giving him time to celebrate the holidays in his favorite American city. Stanley's holiday season meant parties with family and friends. And amongst the neighbors of his sister Leona's family were the Gordons of Chicago, Norman and Jane Gordon, and their daughters, Joan and Judy, lived in the same building as the Bernsteins. And they were hosting a holiday party to celebrate the return of Norman's sister Phyllis from her service overseas with the American Red Cross in Germany. The king, a late arrival to the party, walked through the front door of the Gordon's apartment to meet Norman's youngest sister, Shirley June. Stanley and Shirley June Gordon got married in June of 1946 in Chicago. Stanley and Shirley spent the first decade of their marriage living in Chicago. Stanley was working for the Bernstein family as a production engineer at their paper box manufacturing plant on South State Street in Chicago. During that decade, I was born on June 4th in 1948 at Michael Reese Hospital. My sister Cindy followed on February 25th, 1951, also at Michael Reese. As a young family in the city, we lived in an apartment on West Aldine Avenue on the first floor, and above us lived Lucille and Lester Stern. 
On a spring day in 1955, our folks told us that we were moving to the suburbs. They were buying a house in Northbrook, which was a small village that was expanding into the cornfields of northern Illinois. Northbrook, west of Glencoe, was a burgeoning suburb building track homes for post-war families. And we as a family would begin a new life in 1955. As the Silverfields, who lived at 605 Greg Road, a small cul-de-sac teeming with families and kids and good times. Throughout the Silver King's War podcast series, which began in late January of 2021, you as faithful followers of our hero, the King, have asked, well, what really happened to Stanley Silverfield? You may recall that the first three plays in the Silver King's War, The Silver King, Marauder Men, and Servicemen, were followed by a fourth play called Who is Della? Each of the first three plays covered one year in Stanley's War, and the fourth play is fictional. I wrote Who is Della to give my dad, the Silver King, a life he never had, a life that I imagined he would have enjoyed and really prospered as a part of the post-war life and the development of modern America. In Who is Della, Stanley remains a Silverfield for his entire life. He never marries, but becomes a very successful design engineer and ultimately goes on to be the first CEO of Lockheed Martin in 1995. In the Silver King's real life, beginning in 1955, the family spent five fun, action-packed years in Northbrook, which concluded in 1960 when Stanley received a big promotion as a salesman and we moved from the tidy cul-de-sac of Northbrook to the industrial lands of northern Illinois known as Rockford. To answer the question of what happened to Stanley Silverfield, I have written a series of plays called The Silverfields of Northbrook, which chronicle the lives of Stanley, Shirley, Michael, and Cindy Silverfield from 1955 to 1960 in Northbrook. And those years meant you could have reached us at Crestwood 2, 3786. The Silver King's War podcast series will end with the Silverfields of Northbrook later this year. I appreciate you listening to the Silver King and hope that you will enjoy the Silverfields of Northbrook coming soon. And you are listening to The Silver King's War.